You're listening to Mitnick's Monthly Brushstrokes, a podcast on the art of outsmarting, the fun part that sets you apart. I'm Keith Mitnick, author of Don't Eat the Bruises. For more information, visit keithmitnick.com or email me. It's kmitnick at forthepeople.com. Hello again, everybody. I want to talk to you about something that's really important this time that we all deal with in in a lot of our cases, whether it be slip and falls, trip and falls, car crash cases, and it's the injury that does not stop your client on the outside from carrying on with life because their, their pain is on the inside and you can't see it. And it's not the kind of pain that interferes so much with the doing as it does with the experience of doing. And by that, I mean that they still do most of what they did. And so they're still active. But they're having to make a bunch of mini choices all the time. That's what I mean by, I call this, it's the little things. And by it's the little things, I mean Suddenly, somebody new to their life, they didn't have to do this before this crash, are having to make all these little mini choices to do or not to do something, knowing there's going to be a price to pay if they do them. And so from the outside, they look like, look, you still jog, you still unload, you know, a U-Haul from time to time, you mow the yard, you still, you know, can go out and play uh, wiffle ball with your kid. The, you can still, you know, pick your kid up. You can go on a ride. You can even, heaven forbid, smile. You know, you're carrying on with life. We've kind of hit on some of this in, in one of the earlier podcasts, but I'm going in a little different direction here in that how do we bring these injuries to life in a way the jury can truly appreciate the magnitude of what was taken in the way of health? And the way you have to do it is we have to stop the tendency to focus on the big things. I'm not saying ignore the big things, but we don't want to exclude all these little things because it is the little things that add up to a lot over time. A day of many, 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 many choices to do or not do, and to pay the price when you do, or pay the price for not doing because it's affecting your quality of life. One way or the other, you're either sacrificing the experience, of the, 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 the actual doing, or you're going ahead and doing it and paying the price with the physical pain that's elevating. Because those kind of injuries leave what I call pilot light pain. It's pain that's always there flickering. It never goes away. It's like on an old hot water heater or gas stove. They had that little pilot light and it was always there flickering. It never went out and it will flare up. But when you turn it off, it doesn't go off. It just goes down and flickers. And this kind of pain is like that. It's not cane pain. It doesn't prohibit you from doing or make you walk with a limp or a cane or a wheelchair. You still do and you look normal doing But there's this other chapter of your life that this other film that's going on of tape of your life under the surface where you're making all these choices and you're paying a price one way or the other, a price in not doing something you otherwise would have or doing it and having to 
the, the flare-up instead of the pilot light pane and ended up on heating pads or just dealing with it. And it was thrust into their life unnaturally by no fault of their own suddenly. They weren't living their life that way. Well, that's a big deal. Now, how do we bring that big deal to life so it doesn't look petty or small? It's all about preparation and awareness. You have to be aware, first and foremost, of the magnitude of value to someone not to have to live with that. And therefore, if we're serious about the business of doing justice, then we have to be able to explain to a jury the magnitude of the value of what was taken so they can bring back a verdict that is evenly yoked with that value, that recognizes it fairly, fully, and reasonably. So how do you get there? First, you got to remind yourself all the little things matter. Because your client's not going to naturally talk about them. Why? Well, you think about it a second. Somebody's now living with that all the time. But it's not really stopping them from doing. Do you think they want to focus all the time on, I just had to make another decision. I just had to make another decision. I just had to not do. I just didn't do. I just did and look how I feel. If they thought about all those hundreds of choice A or B, in which neither of them is good, it would be extraordinarily demeaning, frustrating, and depressing. So you suppress it naturally. And aside from suppressing it for your own mental health, they also are unaware because you do it so dang often it becomes second nature. It becomes a baseline. And when it becomes second nature and a baseline, it becomes unrecognizable unless someone reminds them to look at it. It's like, do you recognize your breathing? Go meditate and suddenly you're watching every breath so you can focus and quit thinking about all your stresses and worries. And all of a sudden you realize, God, all these breaths. You think you, think you notice your heartbeat? No, you can put your finger on your wrist and feel it. You think you walk around and feel it? No, it's too routine. Go, go get a sonogram or one of those echocardiograms where they look at your arm and watch your heartbeat. It'll freak you out. You go, boom, boom, boom. You realize that's all the time. If it stops, I die. You go, whoo. That's the same thing. These people don't want to focus on it. And it becomes routine, so it's unnoticeable. So how do you get at it? Give them a homework assignment. Have your client come in and explain what you're looking for. Have the same conversation I just had. You're not coaching them to make stuff up. We don't do that. You're giving them examples of what you know in your own life or from others' clients you've represented so they can use that as a model to know what to look for. And then give them a little book like a moleskin or a little some kind of notebook and give them a take-home exam. Give them an exam, a homework assignment. Say, for the next week, 10 days, two weeks, whatever, I want you to carry this with you. And every time you don't do something because you don't want to pay the price, write it down. I don't care how small. Every time you do do something and pay the price, write it down. Every time it enters into your mind, your frustration, because there was a little bit of an awareness of the impact, broad impact. Not intense impact. It's not like a sprained ankle that you can't get around because you got to have crutches. It's not that kind of pain. It's a much lower level pain, but it's persistent. It's there all the time. 
every time you think about that, every time you think, what if that person hadn't done this and I was back to the way I was, every time you miss the way it was before and wish you had it back, note it. And all the little, little, little choices that you're making and the impacts and bring them back to me. And then when you get that list, you go through and decide which ones are the most powerful and not. You call through it. Then you have your client hand write out everything on the list that made the cut that you think really makes the point. This is all pure honest. This is your client's words, not yours. You're just guiding them. And it's your job to not just be their lawyer, but be their counselor. So you guide them to where you now have that list. Now, when they get asked at the deposition, how's this impacting you? They won't say, well, I can't golf anymore. And I used to love snow skiing. I can't do that. Because you know what the follow-up question is going to be? How often did you golf? You know, most Sundays. How long did you golf? You know, I'd probably be on the course for half a day. How often do you snow ski? Well, you know, kind of depended on family and finances. And, but, you know, we try to go every year, but probably more often every other year. Well, number one, nobody on the jury gives a damn about your client can't golf anymore and can't snow ski anymore. Number two, you have just diminished your client's injury down to next to nothing. Because now we're once a week, once every two weeks for a half a day, that's their damages. And once every year or two for a week. And the rest of the time, it's hunky-dory back to normal. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. But when your client goes to the depot and is asked, how's this affecting you? Guess what? They're going to remember those big things. Why aren't they going to remember all these little things? Because people don't walk around and think about the little things. They have to spend some time with that homework assignment thinking. Not to gin it up and make it up. To recognize it. To drudge it up so they can see it. And you want to tell them. Be kind. You don't want to affect their quality of mental health. You want to say, look, you can go back to being as oblivious as you can be to all these choices once I just need you for a week or whatever the time frame. And then for goodness sake, I don't want you focusing on it anymore. But now you've got the data and now you get them ready. They got their little list. I don't see anything wrong. That's your decision. I'm not going to advise you on that. Some people would cringe over bringing the list to depot. I wouldn't. I just let them bring it or let them look it over and be ready and just attach it to the depot. Yeah, I, 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 was, I, I understood you're going to ask how it impacted me, and I thought I, I had an obligation to give you a full and complete answer, not just off the cuff. And so I've spent a little time thinking about it. And here's some of them, but there are a lot more, but here's some of the things I thought about. Guess what? Or just they don't bring it, and they just do it because you talk with them. They came up with a list. You modeled for them the kinds of things. Let them get in there and start listing this kind of stuff in the depot. How's that impact you? And this, the, the, the arrogant lawyers acting like, ha, 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 we got your, your, we got your Facebook page and saw you at Disney and you, you, heaven forbid you smiled and you were on a ride and we saw you walking and we actually saw you jogging and we got you, you're not hurt. Well, guess what? I'm going to smack the smirk off your face when my client starts up. Well, here's how it impacts me. And they don't want to be hammy. They don't want to be theatrical. They don't want to act like it's the end of the world. It's just matter-of-fact business like giving an honest answer to a question they had a right to ask. Well, I mean, it's things like, my son loves for me to pick him up. He's getting a little bigger now. 
You know, he's he's four. And if I pick him up, I'm going to pay a price. I know. And I decide. He puts his hands up and, and he smiles and that, that look on his face. And if I know if I pick him up, he's going to smile bigger and giggle. And it, it melts my heart. But, you know, I look down and I go, am I going to pick you up today or not? I'm feeling pretty good and I don't have a busy day. Come on, we get up and swing around. Now, I'm probably going to suffer for hours during the day, maybe longer, maybe days, but it's worth it. Or I go, I'm already not having a great day. I I didn't sleep right, and it's already flared up. I just don't want to make it even worse. Then I'm going to have that thumping headache, so I don't. I decide to lean down and tickle them. Or I go, I got a busy day. I I just don't want that increased flare up going on. Or my son wants me to go out and throw the ball with him, and he likes when I throw that baseball hard. You know what? Am I going to throw it hard the way he loves it, or am I going to throw it soft and have him tease me? Dad, you can throw it harder than that, and I know I'm disappointing him. Same kind of choices. I like to jog. Am I going to go really slow and feel like an old person, or am I going to blow it out? I love to blow it out. Well, you know what? I've had a frustrating day. I've gained a few pounds. It's Thanksgiving. I'm going to blow it out. But I know I'm going straight in and I'm going to get on a heating pad for 30 minutes, and that may or may not bring it down. Or I go, no, I'm going to just take it easy. I'd like to, but I'm going to take it easy today. I'm just not up to it. I change lanes in in my car, and I got to swivel differently and turn at my torso because if I turn my neck, whoo, that can go south for me. But I got to look at my blind spot. I get out of bed different. I used to just hop out. Now I kind of swing around, put one foot on the floor, the other foot on the floor, and put my hands on the side of the bed and push up. Why? Because if I swing out awkwardly, it can set it off for days. By the way, I sleep different. I used to get in one position and I'd stay there most of the night. Now I'm flip-flopping all night. If you had a granny cam and ran it fast, I'd look like a flounder because I can't stay in one position long it starts bothering me. So I got to get comfortable and then re-comfortable, then reposition, then re-comfortable all night long. I actually bought a toothbrush, electric, because believe it or not, if I'm brushing my teeth vigorously and look a little like my wife says something, I look over and go, oh, and I'll catch, and now it's days of it, flared up. And I find with electric toothbrush, I hardly ever do that. Look, you can go on and on and on, folks, but when they start listing those things in depot, and it comes out sincere because it is their life, they realize this person's life has been changed. It's not golfing every now and then, and it's not snow skiing once in a while. It's a big deal. And now they're going, oh, I came in here to mock them, and there's going to be no mocking. That was pretty, a jury's going to pay attention to that. And they are. That's why it works. That's why you need it. You're never going to get it if you don't think about it then talk to your client about it, then give them the homework assignment, and then get them ready to tell about it. Now, of course, if they're sloppy on the defense and don't ask the right question and just say something like, you know, can you still, then answer it. They don't need to volunteer. They can hear it at trial. But most of the time, they're going to ask one of those broad questions. And those things really, really matter. And it's not just a, a, a herniated disc case. I see it all the time in wrongful death cases. If you don't go through the same process with your client and give them the homework assignment, some a, a, a daughter lost their mother, grown-up daughter, and their mom dies, and they got a wrongful death case. You know what they're going to say? 
She wasn't there for my first child, and she wasn't there when to walk me down the aisle. And I'm not mocking that. That's a horrendous loss, and it stays with them forever. But do you really want to diminish it down to two events? When that doesn't, I've lost both my parents. I know that doesn't come close, close. And I lost them in their 80s, and I was, you know, a full-grown person. That doesn't touch it. But how do you get them to touch it? Because nobody wants to talk about it and think about it. But you got to look into the darkness to do your job, and you got to help them look into the darkness temporarily. And all of a sudden, after the homework assignment, when they get asked, tell me how the loss of your mother has affected you. Well, you know, you get things like, you know, I wake up every morning, and I swear it's been a year and a half, but every morning I have to remind myself my mom's not there, and I go through it, not like the first time I heard it, but I go through it again. It's not like I know it. My brain hasn't gotten there yet. Every morning I have to go, oh, mom's not here. And it's just like, oh, it's just a bad way to, I start the day with this sadness that seeps in and it takes a while to shake it off. I shake it off. But, you know, and then I, I, I can't tell you every time something goes wrong and you know how it is in life, things go wrong all the time. Nobody could comfort me like my mom. And I always want, and I can't have that tenderness ever again. Every time something's wrong. When things go right, and thank goodness life's right a lot too. There was no joy like a mother's joy. She's not there to celebrate even the little things. How many times do I reach for the phone? And I go, and it's bittersweet because there's a pleasure to reaching for the phone, thinking about those calls. But there's a bitterness to going, there's no one on the other line. And I guess that instinct will fade. It hasn't. I still reach for the phone. Cooking meals. All those recipes from my mom. I smile and then I want to cry. I, got, I can go on. I don't need to. Most of you have had somebody you've lost. Why would we ever let our client miss the opportunity to educate the cold-hearted people on the other side who are trying to diminish it? You're a grown-up. You've got your own kids. You lost your mom. Get over it. They wouldn't get over it. They haven't gotten over it with their mother. Why would we let them shrink the enormity of what was taken from our clients. So the whole purpose of this is to get the point across. Whether it's a herniated disc, whether it's a wrongful death case, whether it's an amputation case, the true loss is found in the little things, not the big drama things. So I'm asking you for your sake, your client's sake, for the sake of justice. Have the courage and the wisdom to get past the big drama and get down into the daily routine 
where the true impact on human life lies. Take care, folks. I'll talk to you next time.